Hey, and welcome to the Scottsdale Podcast. We are currently in a series that is centered upon God's design for the family. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Scottsdale. What an exciting time of worship this morning. What an exciting crowd. Those of you who are here in person, we're so glad to have all of you here. Those of you who are watching us online, inviting us into your home, thank you for giving us the privilege to be in your home today. We want to encourage you, whenever you have an opportunity, come join us live. Be a part of our faith family and a great time of corporate worship together. And for those of you in a mask-only service at 11, we're so excited that you're able to join us there as well. Well, we have been in a series that we've been called entitled family and we've been looking at this and we felt like this would be an appropriate time for us to refocus and recalibrate our time together focusing on family we've been locked up away from so many people in the last year there have been a lot of challenges within our family units so we felt like let's get back to see what God's Word has to say about how we are to do family together And so we've been in this series, and two weeks ago we began by looking at what God's design is for the family. And so we wanted to go back to the ideal. We want to go back to what God's Word says. So we went back to Genesis, and there were four things that we saw as we began this series. We saw, first of all, that, do we have an image on this? We have no image on this. And um, so I am going to be doing this without any image behind me this morning. And um, so I'm just going to have you look at me. Those of you watching online, you won't be able to see the notes because of the TV, but they're on the screen, but you won't see that. So anyway, so (laughs) just hang with me this morning. So we saw, first of all, that we saw God's foundation for the family unit is a husband and a wife. God lays out the parameters very clearly, and it seems so countercultural today, doesn't it? That God says it is going to be a heterosexual relationship between one man and one woman. He lays that out very clearly so that we find that very clearly God's foundation is a husband and a wife. The second thing we saw that God's function is to be in a complementary relationship. That complementary relationship means that we were both created on the same equal standing before God... We are both created in the image of God as husband and wife, and we have the same value and intrinsic worth, but there are differences. There are biological differences, and there are differences within roles in the family, but we complement one another in the midst of that. The third thing we saw was the faithfulness for the family is permanence, that God intends a man and a woman to be together for life. And the fourth thing that we saw that God's framework in the family is going to be the Trinity, that we are to mimic and model the very relationship that takes place between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we said these are the ideals. The struggle is this. We live in the real. We live in the real. And a lot of times, we look at our lives and we see they're not quite matching up, so what we begin to do is we stop pursuing the ideal. But God has called us, even though we're living in a fallen and a broken world with the weaknesses of our own lives, to constantly pursue the ideal that he has for the family. Then last week, Dr. York was here, and he led us in a marriage conference, Herschel and his wife, Tanya, and he came and brought a message from 1 Peter chapter 3, and basically, if you want to look at what he really taught, he taught that we need to understand that each person has a specific role in the family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. And then children, obey. 
That's God's plan for all the individuals within a married relationship. Now, if you missed those last two weeks, I want to encourage you to go online, listen to them, because they build the foundation for everything else that we're talking about when we deal with the ideal for family. But today, we're going to have fun. We're going to deal with parenting and grandparenting. And so we're going to look at what God's design for the family is when it comes to parenting and grandparenting. So I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, open to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, what we're going to find is one of the most popular passages that people use when it comes to the issue of parenting. Now, let me just say a few things about parenting first. Parenting is a very difficult thing. And in this, this room today, there are all kinds of varieties of styles of parenting. There's some of you who are married and have biological kids that you are parenting. Some of you are remarried and you have blended families that you are parenting. Some of you are single moms and you're going this alone. And it is a great challenge. My hat is off to you because you've got to do and be mom and dad and all those disciplinary things in the life of your children. So all of those are a part of it. Some of you are grandparents and you're having to parent. Some of you are grandparents and you have to be the major influencer in your grandchildren's lives. So all of these things come at difficult challenges. The other thing is this. We're living in a world that's gone crazy today. We're living in a world that has lost all sense of a moral compass. And many of us might be discouraged by that. But let me encourage you today by saying this. I want to encourage you that God knows when your children were going to be born. He knew when your grandchildren were going to be born. He knew the era that we're living in before you and I were born. God is not shocked by what's taking place in the world. God is not taking off guard by the falling nature of our culture. God is not surprised by the bad news. God is not surprised by everything that's happening in our woke generation. And God is completely faithful and is able for us as parents and grandparents to still lead children into a way that they can become godly that they can be on a solid foundation. And regardless of what the culture is happening around us, God still equips us in the power of his spirit and in his word to lead children to be at the place where he desires them to be. So as we begin today, we need to begin with a definition for parenting. Now, a lot of people have different definitions when it comes to parenting. Some people will say, well, parenting is just preparing your children to leave your home. Now, that might sound like a really good goal. And ultimately, it is. We want to raise up our children to a way that they can live on their own. Some people will say that parenting is preparing your kids to be successful adults when they leave home. But those two views of parenting are very short-sighted. Because they're only focused on the immediate. Get them out of the house and help them to be successful. But that's not biblical parenting. Today I'm talking to parents who are faith of Christ followers, okay? And so I want to talk to you about a biblical definition of parenting. And here it is. It's on the screen. Biblical definition of parenting. Biblical parenting is the process where the main goal is making disciples of Christ as we prepare our children for eternity. Let me say that again. 
It is the process where the main goal is to take our children and make them disciples of Christ so we can prepare them for eternity. You see the long end game in that? There's nothing short about that. And by the way, parenting means that we take our children, we pour into them in such a way that we teach them, now this is hard, we teach them to love Jesus more than they love us. Isn't that hard? You're holding that little baby and you think that little baby's going to love me. He's going to be so appreciative of me. Yeah, until he gets a teenager. But then <laughs> you teach them to love Jesus more than they love you. And you teach them the principles of God's word so their little souls can be prepared for an eternity with the Father, with the Son, and with you. That's the goal of parenting. Let me tell you, there's nothing greater than that. There's no higher calling than to be a parent. There's no greater calling than for us to shepherd the little lambs that God is giving to us, to, to us that we might prepare their hearts so they can know the Savior and that they're going to have eternal security. There's nothing greater than that. Anthony Campolo is a, a, a Christian psychologist. And he's well-known, he travels all over the place, and many times he brings his wife with him. Now, his wife has a PhD, she's a brilliant woman, but she elected to stay at home with the kids. And she said that often when she goes to these parties, there are all kinds of people there, and people will always ask her, well, now tell me, what is it that you do? And she'll say, well, I'm a homemaker, I stay at home with my kids. And then they'll look at me and say, oh, well, that's nice. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. And she said she felt undervalued by that until she came up with a definition. And she used this definition. Anytime people would ask her, what do you do for a living? Here's what she say. I'm socializing to homo sapiens and the dominant values of Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order, thus appropriating the eschatological values of the kingdom of life, both here and in eternity. Oh, by the way, what do you do? Isn't that wonderful? But it's a challenge. It is always a challenge. There's so many books out there today about parenting. Parenting um, one child, uh, single children. Parenting those who have self-esteem. Parenting those who are bright. Parenting those who are children that never get out of childhood. You know, you, all kinds of different models on parenting. And there's nothing wrong with reading books, but let's go to God's Word. Because in God's Word, we find His design for parenting. So this morning, I want to talk to you about two things. If I have the time, I'll get to both of them. If not, I'll only look at one, and we'll extend this to next week. So two very important principles I want to show you today about God's design. If we're going to be the kind of parents, by the way, we're going to be the kind of grandparents. Moses is speaking to moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers. He is just in chapter 5 talked about the Ten Commandments and reminding them to take these and pass them down to their children. They're about to enter the promised land. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. And before they go, the very first instruction that God gives to the families is about raising these children who are going to grow up into this new place. And he begins by putting this first principle. Here it is. God's design for parenting begins with the right priorities. 
If we're going to be godly parents, if we're going to be the kind of parents that are going to be producing children who will become disciples of Christ and they will experience eternity in his presence, we begin with the right priorities. And how does he lay it out? Let's begin in verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Where does he begin? There are three priorities he lays out here. I want to give you these three priorities. Now, you're going to be thinking as I give you these priorities, you're going to be thinking immediately, I thought we were talking about parenting. These are the priorities for godly parenting. The first priority is what we see, what I would call God's flow chart for the family. God's family flow chart, and it begins with God. Have you noticed how he said that? He's speaking to the moms and the dads, the grandmothers and the grandfathers. He's speaking to them, and he's saying, this is what you must do. In other words, he's saying, before you can be an effective parent or grandparent, it begins with an intimate relationship with God himself. Notice how many times he puts it this way, that you may do them in the land, the commandments, that you may fear the Lord your God by keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and these words that I command you shall be on your heart. Listen, effective parenting begins with intimacy with Christ. Why is that so important? Let me tell you. Every parent parents from the overflow of what's important to them. Every parent does. Every parent, no parent, parents in a vacuum. Every single parent, every single grandparent will pour into children or grandchildren the things that are most important to them. And so if you have a love for sports, what are you going to teach your kids and your grandkids? If you have a love for successful employment, what are you going to teach your kids and your grandkids? If you have a love for academia, if you have a love for leisure, if you have a love for money and possessions, those are the things that ultimately become at the top shelf in their lives. But when we have a love for the Lord Jesus and they are seeing the overflow of him in our lives then what happens is we will be able to model the things that are most important. And Moses says there are three things that you are to pass down to your kids. He puts it this way, that there's to be one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. For every parent in this room, the Lord Jesus needs to be the top priority of your life. But not only that, there's one love. He is to have our total devotion. I'm to love him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. There is nobody that comes close to my love for Jesus. And the third is there's one law. We are to see his word as authoritative. Parents, let me tell you something. Listen carefully. The greatest thing you can do for your children 
is to love Jesus. Grandparents, the greatest thing you can do for your grandchildren is to love Jesus. The greatest thing for your kids to see is a dad who gets up early in the morning and who is reading his Bible and praying for his family. For a mom who is involved in God's word and who is studying God's word. For both of them to speak Jesus, to demonstrate the character of Jesus, to be in the word of God. These are the things that are of utmost importance. And if you and I neglect this aspect, then we will never pass on to our children the things that are most important for eternity. So God is saying, if you want to be a great parent, it begins with this intimacy with Almighty God. We see a beautiful picture of this in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul takes young Timothy, he pours into him, who becomes a protege and one of the great pastors of the New Testament, especially in the church in Ephesus. And, but Paul didn't get the, the, the slate without nothing. He talks of Timothy's past. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Do you see the picture? It began with two single women raising a little boy in the scriptures and the principles of God's word and preparing him for one of the greatest ministries the church has ever known. It begins with that intimate relationship. Parenting your children is like parenting at 35,000 feet. You might say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you've ever flown, you know when you get in an airplane, before the plane ever takes off, the first thing they do is they go through all of the safety checks and they go to the procedures and they say something like, if this cabin should lose its pressure, then these oxygen masks are gonna fall from the ceiling. And what do they tell you to do? They say, parents, put it on yourself first before you put it on your children. Because if you take your time trying to put it on the children and you lose oxygen and the ability to think clearly, you could pass out and your whole family can die. But here's what it's saying. Put it on you first. Why? You must first receive the breath of life before you can pass it to your children. And before we can parent our children well, it begins with an intimacy with Christ. Dads, let your kids see your love for Jesus. Moms, let your kids see how much Jesus means to you and his word instructs your life. That is the first priority of biblical parenting. Now let me show you the second one. As we continue to look at God's family flow chart, it's God, then it's husband and wife. It's husband and wife. Now, I want you to notice that husband and wife are on equal planes. It's not husband up here, then wife below her. Why? They're both created in the image of God. They both have value. They both have worth. They have responsibilities in the family unit. They have different functions within the family unit. But as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, they are joint heirs together in the grace of life. So here's the second piece of this. Not only must I have an intimacy with God, but husbands and wives, you must develop, maintain, and continue an intimate relationship with husband and wife. Let me tell you, the greatest thing you can do for your family, the greatest thing, parents, you can do for your kids is to have an amazing marriage. That's the greatest thing you can do. 
Because as you have an amazing marriage, you are modeling for your children and your grandchildren what God intends in a family unit. This is so important. Why is it important? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Dads, do you know that your sons are learning how to be a godly man from you? That your sons are learning how to love a woman from you? That your sons are going to pick up the cues of how to be a man of steel and velvet as they watch you love your wife. This is so important. And dads, you know, recognize also that your daughters are looking at you in the way that you love your wife, and you know what they want to do? They want to find a man like you. They want to marry a man like you. That's why their moms cry at weddings. Kind of like a little wave working through here. <laughs> but they're taking their cue from you, dads. Moms, your daughters are learning how to be a godly woman from you. And as they watch how you respond to your husband and that intimate relationship that you have, they're learning how to be a godly woman. And you know what happens to your sons? They end up marrying someone like you. That's why most boys marry way above their heads. I did. But one of the other things you need to do is this. We've done this with our kids. This is so helpful. We told our kids, I want you to understand something, that I love your mother more than I love you. And I will always love your mom more than I love you. One of the greatest things we can tell our children is that the love that we have as a husband and wife is unshakable, and those little troublemakers are not going to disrupt it. <laughs> They're not. Matter of fact, I sat down with my kids. I'm, I'm known as being very dramatic in a lot of things. And Chris said, I can't believe you did that. But I sat down with the kids and I told both Ryan and Leslie, I said, listen, if we're in a situation and you're, all your lives are in danger and I can only save one of you, I'm going to save your mom every time. <laughs> every time. That didn't create insecurity in them. It was great security. And Ryan being noticed, he said, dad, I got one question. Who are you going to save next? <laughs> It depends on how your day went. <laughs> Why is that so important? Because one day the little troublemakers are going to leave and you're going to be together, husband and wife, continuing to grow in a relationship with one another that's intimate, that's deep, that's filled with new vitality. I, you know what I told my wife the other day? I, I, I love each year because I get to learn something different about you. I went dress shopping with you the other day. She said, I can't believe you're dress shopping with me. Why are you dress shopping with me? I said, baby, every time you walk out of that stall in a new dress, I see another aspect of your beauty. Yeah. yeah. I read that on the internet, so I thought I'd try. <laughs> Why is that so important? Parents, listen to me. Husbands, wives, listen to me. When you are not maintaining your relationship, when the little ones are gone, you're married to a stranger now. You know what the number one segment of divorce is in our culture today? The empty nest. Number one segment of divorce. Because here's what a lot of parents think. We'll just work. We'll work until our kids are gone. And when they're gone, we can end this relationship. That's what's best for them. Are you kidding me? That's the worst thing. You've just set them up for failure and saying, you know what? Raise kids and then you go live like you want. It's ludicrous. 
And we wonder why our homes are in such disarray. Because if it's not Christ first, and then my spouse second, we lose sight of God's plan for parenting. Here's the third piece of that. Then there's children. They're all the way on the bottom. We find God, husband and wife, and then we find the children, right? We don't even get to the mention of children until verse seven, and here's what he says. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, you might be saying, now, wait, wait, our children are to be the third on the priority? Yes, they are to be third, but they're not to be fourth. They're not to be fifth. Your children are not supposed to come before your career. Your children are not supposed to come before your leisure and pleasure. Your children are not supposed to come before your own ambitions and your own goals. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a career. I'm not saying you shouldn't have leisure time. I'm not saying you shouldn't have specific goals and ambitions. We all should have those. But our children must come before that. I have told my children that they are number three on the list. They come before my ministry here until they moved away. But they came before my ministry. I had a lady call me one night and she said, listen, my husband and I are in a difficulty. I need you to come over right now and help us. And I said, I cannot come over because it's my daughter's birthday and I'm taking her out for her birthday and I cannot meet with you. She got so mad at me and began telling people around that the pastor will not come to visit me because it's his daughter's birthday. I really don't care. They didn't want me to fix their problem. They wanted me to be a referee anyway. That was it. And my little girl knew that she came before ministry. I've always made it a choice to be at their games if I could. I made it a choice to be at those things that were important to them. And my kids understood that both Chris and I knew that they were so important that they were the third thing on our agenda. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. Now, I want to tell you, we're living in a world that's filled with dysfunctional families, aren't we? And this is the model that we see. God, husband and wife, children. But we're living in a world where that is just flipped around. It's upside down. It's backwards. Let me give you some scenarios. How about this one? Children are first. Husband and wife are second. And God is third. The problem with this is a dysfunctional family is you've got children running the house. They're the CEOs. They're the ones who direct everything. They're the ones who control your future. They're the ones who gain your devotion. And it even creates disunity between husband and wife because everybody's fighting for the devotion of the child. And you want to know what happens? This child begins to think the world revolves around them. That they are to be worshipped. They are to be entitled. They are to be given every little thing. Does that sound familiar of our culture today? We see that. I have a lot of times these baby boomers coming to me and said, what do we do about these millennials? I say, what are you asking me for? You raised them. <laughs> and we did. And when you do this, everything's upside down. 
Children are controlling the homes. Husbands and wives are fighting and jockeying for the devotion of their own kids. And God is at the bottom of the list. It's dysfunctional. Or how about this one? Husband, wife, and children are all on the same plane. We're all equal. Nobody's in charge. And therefore, everybody's competing for the head seat at the table. And God is at the bottom. And then what happens in this situation? There's no leadership in the family. There's no direction in the family. There's nothing to pass down. The only thing is competition with one another to see who can get the loudest voice and the most control. Or how about this third one? This is the American dream. Husband and wife, children and God. That might even be a lot of people in the church. Oh, we recognize I love my wife, I love my husband. Yeah, we're going to set a good model. We're going to love our children. But what are you passing down to your kids? You're not passing the principles of one Lord, one love, and one law. Sure, you might develop some kids who become very successful in business. You might develop some kids that have great relationships with people. You might develop kids who are very emotionally stable and sound. But if they don't know Jesus, you have missed the whole point of parenting. Several years ago, I had a couple come to my office. They sat down with me and they said, Phil, we want to talk to you about our kids. And here's what we want to tell you that you can warn all other families in the life of the church. They said, when our kids were growing up, the number one thing was sports. Sports. We had them in every sports event. We had them in AAU. We had them in travel soccer and travel ball, travel basketball, travel cheerleading. They had three kids. And they said, we poured into these three kids. And every weekend, we pulled them away. We stayed in hotels. Our kids never grew up in a youth group. Our kids never grew up in the life of the church. Our kids never really did that. Oh, we talked about Jesus a lot. We talked about God, but it was not modeled in our life. And here's what she said. She said, please, please, please tell the young parents today, don't fall into our trap because not one of our children right now is going to heaven. You see, we measure success in parenting on the jobs that our kids have. We measure success in parenting in the relationships that they've built or maybe the homes that they live in or the positions that they have. But God says that's not the measure. The measure is me. It's me. And this morning, if you're a child of God, I want to tell you this morning that this is God's challenge for us. This is God's difficult challenge for us because as parents, as grandparents, we have the responsibility of following the right flow chart. Now, we can create a lot of different flow charts in here. We can have the husband over the wife or the wife over the husband and children. You can create all kinds of ways. But if it's not God first, husband and wife second, children third, and everything else below that, then we have no reason to think that we will adequately raise our children to be disciples of Christ and eternally secure. Some of you come from homes where none of this was a reality, but it was just simply God's grace that saved you out of that. And now 
He's put you in a situation where you have children and he's given you the right priorities. Here's what I want to do today. I've got four minutes left. I've got a whole other point. I can't get to it today. So next week, we're going to do part two and the second point. You can't miss this next week. Because next week, we're going to talk about something really significant. Not only do we see the priority, but God gives us a clear plan when it comes to shepherding our children as disciples of Christ. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Some of you might be thinking, man, I've blown it. We've blown it. Our kids have gone away. We have not done the ideal. And now we're facing the consequences of that. I just want to tell you it's not too late. It's not. Because you might be a grandparent now. And you have the opportunity as a grandparent to continue to parent your children, but to influence your grandchildren in ways that they may not otherwise be influenced. You can teach them the one Lord, the one love, the one law. And next week I'll show you how to do that. Or maybe you're a couple and there's been struggles in your relationship and your kids are watching you fight. They're watching the turmoil in the home. They're seeing all the discrepancies of, yes, we go to church, but I don't see Jesus lived out. My friend, God is calling you today back to the right priority. It's him first. It's husband and wife next. And then it's the children. And God may be calling you to a place to say to your wife, I'm sorry, honey, I've had my priorities mixed up, but I want you to know from this point on, it's Jesus, you, and the kids. And I'm going to fight for our marriage. Too many times in our marriages, we're fighting for the wrong thing. We're not fighting for the marriage. We're just fighting. And there's never a winner in that. Never a winner in that. So God might be calling you this morning to reconnect with your husband and your wife and say, honey, I want you to know, I want to be committed to you. Let's together raise our children according to the standards of God's word. Some of you may have been divorced and some of you may be going through divorce. And in the midst of all that, if you're a single mom, you still love Jesus first and then you love your children. And that's so important because one day you may meet another man. Make sure he's a godly man who loves Jesus first and loves you second. Or you're a single dad and you're having to do all of these difficult things. Whatever it is you find yourself in today, let me tell you, I can't stress enough, this is successful, godly parenting. It begins with Jesus. It goes to our spouse. It pours into our children as we seek to disciple them to be followers of Christ. And their eternity is of utmost importance. Do you realize that the children that you have, God could have given you any children? And you might sometimes wish he did. <laughs> but the children he gave you is for you to be the channels of blessing to prepare them for eternity. There's nothing greater than parenting. 
But we got to have the right priorities. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I want to say something to you. I can give you a bunch of principles that can help your home. But without Jesus, there's no secure eternity. And the most important thing for you is to have a relationship with Jesus who died on the cross for you, who was buried and rose on the third day for you, who is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his people, And the Holy Spirit is drawing people to the truth of who he is that you might have eternity. I want to tell you the greatest need for every family is Jesus. Next week, part two. The second part of this chapter, we're going to wrap it up. I know we're supposed to deal with conflict, but when we're dealing with children, we're going to be dealing with conflict. So we're going to deal with that next week. As we learn, and listen, you don't want to miss this because this is incredible for grandparents, for parents of all situations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenge of your word today. And Father, we ask that you would prepare our hearts, that you would convict us. Father, there are some here this evening, this morning, who have gotten these priorities out of whack. And Father, may we see from your word And what you're doing in our lives. That husbands and wives would continue to pursue one another. That their children may see the love that the parents have for the Lord Jesus. And their lives are transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week, part two. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If this message blessed you and you now have a desire to follow Jesus, I encourage you to go to scottshill.org slash next steps so that we can follow up with you. Also, if you like the message, feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. God bless.